Welcome to the Script PhD Podcast, where we shine a spotlight on science and technology in entertainment and media. I'm ScriptPhD.com founder, Jovana Grbic. Join me for smart, thought-provoking discussions with the brilliant scientists and creative visionaries finding unity between the analytical and the artistic. ScriptPhD.com is Dr. Chuck Kopsack, the Curator of Ecology at the California Science Center and the Scientific Developer of the Permanent Ecosystems Exhibit Expansion. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a bit about your own scientific background and how that led to your involvement with the Science Center and particularly the Ecosystems Initiative? I'm a, I'm a marine ecologist by training. I did my PhD work actually right across the street here at the University of Southern California. My specific area of interest was in the ecology of kelp forests here off the coast of Southern California. Sort of along near the end of my PhD studies, I began to get more interested in, in way, other ways of sort of using what I knew about the world and about ecology to help people understand it. And so that's how I sort of got into the what's now called informal science education. I spent a few years at UCLA building a small outreach facility for them at the Santa Monica Pier, where I really first started doing this stuff. And then following that experience, I ended up landing the position here as the curator of ecology and took it from there. So I, I really used my background and experience of, of research in a variety of different, primarily marine ecosystems, to then build this exhibit that helps people learn about ecosystems and what they are and how they function and how cool they are. Well, the Ecosystems Exhibit is a huge, ambitious undertaking, taking up a permanent wing of the Science Center. What was the background behind how and why the exhibit got put together? The Science Center, the California Science Center, came to be in 1998 officially. But prior to that, there was the predecessor institution, which was the California Museum of Science and Industry. They had the dream of building, basically recreating the Museum of Science and Industry and updating it and turning it into this new hands-on science center that had not existed here in L.A. before. The plan that was put together called for four permanent exhibit galleries in the master plan. Uh, in 98, when the Science Center opened, they opened the first two of those, our world of life and our creative world. And then what we have always referred to around here as phase two, that first expansion, was always envisioned as being a permanent exhibit gallery basically building off of our world of life, looking at ecosystems. While some of the specific galleries and specific ecosystems that were originally envisioned have changed, this expansion was always seen as being one of the four permanent exhibit galleries of the final science center. And who were some of the groups and partners that you worked with to make this feasible financially and scientifically? Group-wise, we worked with the... Uh, National Science Foundation, they, uh, they supplied us with a large grant to build uh, what we call the Extreme Zone. So all the exhibits that are in that part of the gallery and that part of the wing are all basically funded by National Science Foundation. In terms of, of getting the content and getting the science right, we worked with a number of different uh, advisory groups, which included faculty members from local universities, basically practitioners of both science education and science itself, people who would work, say, at a environmental consulting firm or for a governmental organization but who had background. And so we would bring these groups together and, and basically bounce our ideas off of them. And then at, at yet another level of development, as you go through the exhibits, one thing you might notice is we have a lot of real researchers 
highlighted in, the, in each exhibit. And so we worked with those specific real individuals as well to get their particular stories mm-hmm. just right. We've worked with many local foundations. The Annenberg Foundation is one of our biggest supporters. The uh, Weingart Foundation is a whole bunch of them that, that provided funding to help build this whole facility, mm-hmm. and they saw value in what we were doing and have been wonderful supporters to help make it actually happen. So this is a huge project money-wise, and, and a lot of people came to the table and really helped to make it happen. Let's break down this exhibit a bit, because visually and content-wise, it's one of the more creative and interactive science experiences in the world. There are a lot of education initiatives that want to get kids excited about science and succeed in that regard to varying degrees. How is this one different? We're trying to appeal to an audience that we found doesn't necessarily get out to see these environments see these different ecosystems that we're presenting here. So that's, that's one sort of way that makes this different. The other thing that really makes this different in the world of, of science centers is that before we opened ecosystems, we had perhaps a dozen animal species on exhibit here in the science center. We now have over close to 200 different species of live animals and plants on display. So in terms of creating a type of exhibit that really hasn't existed before, we've done some pretty unique things. I mean, we brought together living habitats, if you will, and put them side by side with interactive exhibits that allow you not only to observe animals and plants doing what they do, but then to actually have a hands-on experience with the science involved with it to really sort of magnify that experience of of seeing the animals. You're not only observing animals, observing plants, but you're learning about the science behind them as well. So that's a fairly unique aspect of what we're doing. As I said, we've also tried to sort of recreate some real habitats, and obviously none of them are truly real. To the extent that we could within our budgets, we've tried to create places that people would visit in each gallery that would give them a feeling of being someplace else. So we're trying to kind of create these immersive experiences that not only give you the chance to explore the science, but give you a sense of being somewhere else. If you can engage people emotionally as well as intellectually, your impact will be that much greater. You'll have a better chance. They'll have a better chance of learning more, remembering the experience more, but linking it to other experiences they've had. So all of those are sort of the unique aspects of of what we tried to do here. One of the things that jumped out at me as I walked through is that there are a lot of themes of eco-awareness woven throughout. Things like energy, resources, how much waste we produce, global warming and its effects on climate and ecology, was connecting to the environment one of the pedagogical focuses of the content? I, I like to tell people, and sometimes it raises eyebrows, that I'm not an environmentalist. But that doesn't mean that I don't have concerns, lots of concerns about the state of our environment. But my concerns are generated by my training as a scientist. And because of what I know about ecology and my understanding of ecosystems and how they operate, brings my concern about how humans are acting in the environment. So it's always been my perspective that what we wanted to do with this exhibit was bring the science of ecology to our guests so that they could understand the underlying scientific principles involved in these issues, which gives them a better foundation and a better understanding. We benefit very little if all we did was to tell people that you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And that's fine if they choose to follow those orders, but if they go out and try to spread the word and say, well, you know, this, this, you, you shouldn't, you should, we should try to recycle everything. If, if they don't have the basic understanding beyond that they shouldn't, that they should recycle, if someone challenges on that, challenges them on that, all they can really say is, well, 
because the California Science Center told me to do that. I want them and we want them to be able to say, well, here's why recycling is an important thing to do. Here's how the world actually operates and is recycling all of its materials. And here's something that as humans we could do a better job of doing, mimicking these systems, for example. So that's why we really focus on the science of ecology as the basis for what we want people to take away and to understand and be then the source of their environmental awareness. Well, it's a wonderful way to get families involved as school kids become sounding boards, learning about recycling and eco-awareness, and then, of course, going home and engaging their parents and entire families. To that degree, have you been able to successfully engage children from all kinds of backgrounds and get them excited about science, and particularly natural science? We seem to be. Uh, the numbers, in a, in a sense, don't surprise me because historically the California Science Center has has always been very reflective of the, of the general population of Los Angeles in that we don't have one majority group of visitors that we can point to. There, there are, you know, larger and smaller amounts, but we have, we have a very diverse audience, and we always have, and so we're very happy to see that that's continued with ecosystems. For a lot of these visitors, this is the first time that they may have actually seen some of these live animals firsthand or even thought about some of these ecosystems because we found that, unfortunately, and no one's ever done a study to show the exact numbers that exist, but you talk to almost any school teacher in Los Angeles, and especially those in the inner city areas, and you'll find that they'll tell you that, oh, yeah, my kids, by and large, the majority of my kids, one, have never been to the beach or they've never been to the mountains. They, they don't. They tend not to get out of their neighborhoods to go to some of these very local and accessible places. And so we see that as being one of the big things that we can do here. So we're exposing, we feel, these kids to some fairly unique experiences. They then can go home and talk to their parents about what they've seen and then help to encourage their parents to take them to some of these places Mm -hmm. and go to the beach, go to the mountains, go see rivers, go see some of the different kelp forests that we have, things that are accessible to them here if they know about them and know how to get out and find them. And so that's a big part of what we're we're trying to do. And, and yeah, the kids definitely are engaging. We have a a charter school here that is made up of the local school kids. They They are heavily engaged in science. And the same thing here with our guests. We're finding that they're really, really turned on by this stuff. And it's not just young kids that you're exciting. When you go to the curator's lab, an experimental area in the exhibit itself, Lots of middle and high school students are getting motivated to study science in a more serious way. Was that the hope when you guys built the Curator's Lab? Yes, absolutely. The Curator's Lab is modeled, and I'll I'll say it out out to the public so they know that it was modeled on an experiment that was done down in San Pedro at the Cabrillo Marine Aquarium. And the basic idea is that, yes, we are engaging the students that come here, not only as guests, but also as part of the staff, and in the long run, as I, it's been hard to get everything up and running right at the beginning, but the ultimate purpose of the Curator's Lab is to begin doing some basic scientific research in the lab that high school, at least high school and college kids, and, and probably kids at younger ages as well, will actually be learning about and doing science right here at the Science Center and then sharing that with the public as the presenters. So we're, we're trying to encourage the students to learn more about science by actually doing science and then learning about how to help educate other people by presenting that science to them. I think that level of engagement is really the difference between just perceiving scientific information being thrown at you and processing and absorbing that information, which is always such a challenge when promoting STEM topics and careers. Let's switch gears a bit and talk about the walk-through tunnel, 
which was the amazing highlight of the entire exhibit. My understanding is that this is the only kelp walkthrough in any aquarium anywhere in the world. As far as I know, yes. I know certainly here within California, and I'm pretty sure that also then extends pretty much to all of North America. Can you tell people a bit more about it in detail so when they visit they can appreciate it even more? It's a diver's eye view uh, or a fish's eye view of being inside a kelp forest. So our kelp forest exhibit is 188,000 gallons of seawater. It is basically dressed out to look like a real kelp forest that you find right here off the coast of Southern California. For me as a diver, I'm very fortunate to have had the experience of, of swimming through kelp forests to study them. Most exhibits where you see a kelp forest, it's a big, great big window that you sort of stand in front of and look at. But that only kind of gives you the sense of the vertical nature of the exhibit because you're not really inside of it. You can only look at the side of it. So one of the things that I thought was very important as we designed this exhibit was that we would give people that feeling of moving horizontally and being under the water as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so the, the solution to that was a tunnel. It's an acrylic tunnel. It's about 25 feet long. Um, I think it's about 10 feet in diameter. But you can walk through that. And you're standing now completely surrounded on four, almost four sides of you with a kelp forest. There's kelp and there's fish and there's invertebrates of all the kinds that live here in the ocean. They're all around you. And so you're not just standing back and looking at this thing from the side. You're actually right in the middle of it. And so you really are getting that sense of being inside the environment. Given the importance of being able to communicate the challenges facing our environment and promoting climate and ecological knowledge, and given the tremendous effectiveness of this exhibit, would there be any possibility to use it as a didactic template at other science centers and natural science museums? Yeah, we hope that this does become a model. When we set out to develop what is now ecosystems, and one of the goals we really had was to try to create a unique sort of a presentation at a science center with the expressed idea that, yes, we would sort of be leading the way and allowing other science centers and other types of, of museums to see that, look, you can combine interactive exhibits with live animals and do it successfully. Because of the number of live animals we have on display now, we are spending more time talking to colleagues at zoos and things, and we're eventually going to become part of an organization, a national organization that accredit zoos and, and places that, that keep large numbers of animals. But it's really interesting in talking to them because they, zoos and aquariums, are really interested now in how do we incorporate more of these hands-on exhibits that help people learn about the science and engages them more with the animals. And natural history museums are sort of looking into that too. So there are, there are other institutions that are very interested in what we're doing. I'm not sure that anyone would maybe go to the extent that we have, but there are definitely elements of what we've done that I think any other museum or science center could use to begin to develop some of the components that we have and really take this new step in terms of science education. You can tour the Ecosystems exhibit at the California Science Center in Los Angeles, California, and follow them on Twitter at CA Science Center and on the web at CaliforniaScienceCenter.com. Org. I'd like to thank Dr. Kopsack and the entire Science Center team for joining ScriptPhD.com and for doing their part to promote science education and environmental awareness with visually engaging and critically relevant content. You have been listening to the Script PhD podcast. I'm Jovana Grbic. Our theme music was composed by Dave Mendez. 
For more conversations with groundbreaking innovators at the interface of science and popular culture, subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or find a full archive on our blog, scriptphd.com, by selecting the podcast category. See you guys next time. Thank you.